Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I'm looking forward to sharing with you about the present day ministry of Jesus and how you and I can cooperate with him. So often what we think as Christians, if I could have just been there when the woman with the issue of blood touched his garment, if I could have just been there when he was up on that mount preaching the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, or, but there's so many different things. We think if I could have been there, seen, been a part of Jesus' ministry, but Jesus' ministry is not over. Number one, the book of Hebrews says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Matthew 3:11, he is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So think about that. Jesus' present day ministry, a huge part of that ministry is building the church. And because that is Jesus' focus, how many of you know it ought to be our focus? It needs to be our focus. One of the things that's so necessary to keep it that way, to keep it that focus, because it's so easy to just look at the things around us, the natural things, and not think beyond that. But the Bible tells us that to look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that you can see are temporal or temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. How many of you know temporary, eternal? How many know which one's more important? It's the eternal that's more important, but we tend to keep all of our focus simply on the temporal, the temporary. So in Hebrews 11, it says this about Moses. Now, Moses was born to a Jewish family in the land of Egypt, and the Egyptians were oppressing the, the, the Jewish people. In fact, they had, the, the, the king, the Pharaoh, had said, every male child when he's born, needs to be thrown into the Nile River. When Moses is born, his mother makes a little like boat and puts him in the little boat and puts him in the river down where she knows the, the Pharaoh's daughter is going to come down to bathe. She sees him, hears him, takes him, and raises him as her own child. But the Bible says when he turns 40 years old, it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sins. Now, he is brought up in the, the, the house of the Pharaoh, the most powerful empire in the world at the time. So anything that prestige or wealth or money or influence could have, he had it in spades. But he looked at that and he considered that the passing pleasure of sin. And, and by the way, notice the Bible says, enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Whoever said there's no pleasure in sin, they did it wrong. Because there is. The Bible says there is. But it's short term. It's short term. And the result ends up being shame and guilt and grief and an open door for the devil to come in to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to his reward. Now, the treasures of Egypt, whatever Egypt had, was available to him. But he looked at that and he said, you know what? 
There is something that's eternal that is even greater than anything that I can see right now with my physical eyes. And as born again Christians, as part of the family of God and the kingdom of God, we have got to be looking beyond what we see with our physical eyes. In fact, the Bible says this about him, enduring Moses as seeing him who is invisible. He saw what you could not see with your natural eye. And you and I need to see more than what we see with our natural eye. We need to see with our spiritual eyes. And we need to recognize that there is an eternal realm that is more significant, more real, more enduring than anything that we see with our natural eye. And, of course, Moses did that. And because of it, he lived with an eternal perspective. Secondly, recognize this, that God looks at you and, and he sees you as belonging to him. The Bible says you were bought with a price. I've had people say, it's my life, I'll do what I want. No, God says, you, you're, you don't belong to you, you belong to him. He bought you. And not only you, he bought you and everything that you have. I, I love what, what uh, Paul said when he's in, in the storm in Acts chapter 27. He's in a hurricane for 14 days. Everybody's given up hope. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Paul, he said, God's going to see you through this. And he's going to give you every, the life of everybody who's on the ship with you. And he goes to the people and he said, the God who I belong to and whom I serve appeared to me and said, he said, who I belong to and whom I serve. That needs to be our attitude. Now, I know that when I was I was brought up in a in a, a religious home, we went to church every Sunday, but I, I was 20 years old. I was not right with God at all. And. I really came to a decision. I, I want to be right with God, but this is going to be a great sacrifice because from now on, my life is going to be boring. I, I, I will probably never have another good day so long as I live. But the good news is when I die, I'll go to heaven and not hell. I'm thinking, here it comes. I'm going to get right with God and I'm going to be baptized in pickle juice and I'm just going to go around and be sour all the rest of my life. I that, I, how many of you thought that? I mean, that is exactly what I thought. However, I did not realize that the exact opposite was true. In Ephesians 2 and 10, it says it like this when this happens, when you get right with God and you live for God. It says living the good life. The good life he prearranged and made ready for you to live. Let me tell you, the devil is a liar. He is a liar. God created you. He gave you gifts and talents and purpose. And, and you, you'll never really, really be happy. You'll just keep on looking and looking and looking and looking until you plug in to what God created you to do. I've said this before, but an eagle was created to fly. A whale was created to swim in an ocean. And you were created for relationship with God. And you were created for the purpose that God created you for. And when you don't know your purpose, you always mess things up. That's why our grandson took my iPhone and put it in the toilet. He did not know the purpose of an iPhone. It is not to float in toilets. But there's a lot of people that put their life in the toilet because they don't know what their purpose is. Right? They're looking and they're looking, but they don't have a clue. And you'll never find your purpose apart from God. 
You'll never find true joy apart from God. So, so what literally we, we do is we're living purposeless lives. This is 1 Peter 1.18. Redeemed from the useless, spiritual, unproductive way of life inherited from your forefathers. He's just saying, look, you're going through life, but you've got no purpose. You try to create one. In fact, there are seminars that people go to and they tell you, look, there really is no purpose to life. So you need to create one and then believe it's true and live for it. No, no, God says there is a purpose for your life. There is a purpose. And, and, if, and if we just look at the culture around us, the Bible says it is purposeless. They're just going on. And, and well, we'll get to a little bit more of that. And Jesus talks about it in just a moment. Now, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. Most people think Jesus came to get them to heaven. That is not why Jesus came. Jesus shows up. He says, the time is fulfilled or the time is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. Believe the gospel. Repent and believe. One translation says it this way. Rethink your life. God's kingdom's here. Rethink your life. We tend to think God sent Jesus so we could go to heaven. But the truth is God sent Jesus so that you could become a part of the kingdom of God. That's why he sent him. Uh, the angel appears to Mary and says, call his name Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Way back in the Old Testament, Daniel is interpreting a dream for a king. And he says, in the days of those kings, the God of the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Now you realize Jesus said the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is coming. It's here, but it's coming. So it's here now, but it's not everything it's going to be. But in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now notice it didn't say going to take everybody to a strange place called heaven. He's going to do what? Set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It will break and consume all of these kingdoms and it, God's kingdom will stand for forever. All right. So salvation is not about getting you to heaven. It's about getting the kingdom of God in you and through you. So it doesn't start when you die. It starts now. It starts now. Probably the best way we can describe the kingdom, Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's will is done on earth like it is in heaven, that's a picture of the kingdom of God. That's a kingdom. But we as believers need to be focused on the kingdom, uh, showing people God's love, his forgiveness. And by the way, it's when we begin to focus on something other than ourselves that real blessing begins to flow. Uh, it's in Job 42 where the Bible says God turned Job's captivity when he prayed for his friends. When he got his eyes off from himself, that's when the, 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 the blessing of God really began to come to him. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of Hades 
will not prevail against it. Now, don't get the picture of the church hiding behind some gates. It's not the gates of the kingdom of heaven that are going to keep the devil out. It says the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. So the devil is hiding behind his gates, but the church is knocking down those gates. They will not prevail, right? And his purpose needs to become our purpose. But it's so easy to get distracted. In fact, Jesus talked about distractions. In Mark chapter 4, he said with some people, it's tribulation or persecution. He says they, they come and, and immediately the person stumbles. They don't want to go through hard times. They don't want it to be difficult. They want everything to be easy. Well, in the kingdom of God, everything's not easy. The kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Then Jesus said, listen, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things comes in, chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The cares of this world. Now, how many of you know we've got cares? You've got bills to pay, you know, clothes you need to get, food, there's things, there's cares, and that's all right. But when it becomes our priority over the kingdom, it's wrong. The deceitfulness of riches. We've all seen the bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. Let me just say, no, they're just dead and they don't have any more toys. Jesus said, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. But the deceitfulness of riches says to you, if you had more, you'd be more. If you had more, you'd be happy. If you had more, you'd be significant. If you had more, you'd be fulfilled. You'd be somebody. You would be secure. If you had more, you'd be accepted. And people literally try to medicate with stuff, getting more stuff, to, f to, to take the pain, the emptiness, the guilt, to take their focus off. Jesus said that the deceitfulness of riches, and by the way, it comes to everybody. If you just had more, if you just had this, if you just had that, man, you would not hurt. You would be significant. You would be somebody. It's a lie. Your life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things you possess. And then he said the desire for other things. In other words, Jesus is saying just about anything can become a distraction. It can be good. A job can become a distraction. Sports, hobby, family, anything that we put as a priority over the kingdom, Jesus said it will cause God's word in our life to become unfruitful. We won't fulfill the purpose for which we were created. In, in Luke's gospel, the, tw the 12th chapter, Jesus tells a story about a rich farmer. And uh, the Bible says that his fields produce a super abundant crop. And he has no room in his barns, multiple, by the way, barns, plural. And he says, I know what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build even bigger barns. And I'm going to fill them up. And then I will say to my soul, man, you've got a lot of goods laid up for many years. Take it easy. You're secure. Just eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool. You fool. 
He said, today, this night, your soul is required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Now, there was nothing wrong with him having an abundance. But when he thought all of it was for him, when he thought all of it was just for me, I think it was just a week ago that our, our, our guest said this. He said, when God blesses you, he has more in mind than just you. When God blesses you, he has more in mind than just you. And when we put our security, when we put our security in stuff instead of in God, that's when Jesus told us that we can't serve God in mammon. You can't put your trust in God and money. It's got to be in money or it's got to be in God. He said, nobody can do both. No one can do both. And then he goes on and, and Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. It's not wrong to look ahead and provide, but it's wrong to think everything blessing you have is just for you. You've got to sow into the kingdom. I love what David said in 1 Chronicles 29. He said, because I set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house of my own special treasure of gold and silver. He said, my affection is on the house of God. He said, my affection is on the kingdom of God. And that's where our affection needs to be. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, it's in 1 Timothy 3.15. Remember, Jesus is building the church. He says, to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. All that God does in the earth, he does through the church, the Holy Spirit moving in, and through the church. We are to experience the kingdom of God in and through the church. I know Jeannie and I, we've dedicated our adult lives to cooperate with Jesus to build the church. Jesus has chosen to save the world and to work through the church, the Holy Spirit and our obedience. But it goes through the church. It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. We need to be singly focused on God's purpose for our lives. Uh, the church, you know, we, we're just talking about the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. It says in Ezekiel chapter 46 that when the prince, this is talking about the millennium, and literally Jesus is the prince. He says, he enters, he shall go in by way of the vestibule gate and go out the same way. So he goes into the temple and he goes out of the temple exactly the same. But whoever else enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate shall go by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came. See, the, the church is to be the place where your life is changed. You should never come in the church and leave exactly the way that you came. The Bible says you'll come in one way, but you'll leave, a, you'll leave different. And the only one that doesn't leave difference is the prince. That's Jesus. How I many you know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's not changing. But you change 
I change. And where we change is when we hear the word of God, where we experience worship and the spirit of God touches our lives. In Ezekiel 41, it's the same temple. I, I counted this morning five times in three verses. It talks about the palm trees, 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 the palm branches. And you say, why? Because God's house is a place of victory. And in the ancient world, the palm branch was the checkered flag, the blue ribbon or the gold medal. It was just saying it's victory. You see, it's in God's house where we receive the victory that Jesus purchased for us. Now, in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. And a woman comes in with an alabaster flask full of very, very costly perfume. And she breaks it and she pours it on Jesus' head. And a lot of the people around, the Bible says they're indignant. And they say, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? And Jesus rebukes them and says, hey, what this woman has done is going to be talked about every place that the gospel is ever preached. Now, let me just say this. That woman has no regrets about what she did. She's got no regrets. Jesus said, hey, it was an act of worship. And she actually prepared my body for burial. But it was an act of worship. And sometimes in worship, we can, we can get very, very extravagant. I, I, I have thought many times about th this particular thing. I have never regretted anything I've ever given. Never. But I have regretted deeply times that I did not give when I could have given. Uh, this woman, she had no regrets. I'm telling you, Moses had no regrets about what he did. And when, when you sow into the kingdom of God, it affects you today. But what, what happens is it leaves your, your hand, but it never leaves your life. It goes into your future and God blesses it and brings it back. In some form, it's going to come back. Now, in Proverbs 3, let me just, I want to share something. And, and uh, the, this is particularly true for, for people who are Bible teachers or, or pastors. You, you really got to be careful about what you preach because God expects you to do it. You know, like a friend of mine, his wife said to him, hey, said, why don't you do what your sermon says? So, so I talked to you a while back from Proverbs chapter 3. It says to honor the Lord with your possessions with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Now it talks about two types of giving. It talks about your increase. That's the tithe. When money comes into you, there's a part of it. You're supposed to sow into the kingdom of God. That first 10%. But it also says with your possessions. That's why Jesus said to the rich young ruler, he said, hey, sell what you have and give. Sometimes you need to take something you have and give it. So... So those of you who don't know, I just love cars. I like cars. And we're finally at that point in life where all our kids are gone. They're all through college and everything's paid for. And it's just like, woo, you know, good days are coming, you guys. Good days are coming. So, so um, uh, and Jeannie would, would, would testify to this. I always like, when I get interested in a car, I will look at it. I mean, if I look at it only for a year, that's like a little, okay? 
So this is, you know, I get interested in a Jeep, you know, and I can't, I don't know if I want this model, I want that model, I study this model, I study that model, you know, the rear ends, the differentials, I, I'm studying everything about them. And uh, then the, the, they come up with a special edition, which is a combination of the two that I, I've been looking at. And I said, Jeannie, I'm getting that Jeep. And she said, go for it, you know. So I buy this Jeep. Now, did we need the Jeep? No, we didn't need the Jeep. Parked it in the garage. Hardly drove it. In fact, it was windy one day, and Jeannie says, oh, you won't drive the Jeep because it's windy. I mean, we had it like eight months, nine months, and I put 370 miles on it. <laughs> it had to be like perfect weather, you know, for the Jeep. Okay. So, so I'm talking to you guys about that scripture, and then it was like the Lord said, hey, that Jeep. And I thought, no, it's mine. <laughs> Serious. Okay. Uh, and, and then I have a dream. And, and, you know, when the Lord gives you a dream, it needs to be interpreted. And usually you know what it means. But in this dream, I'm in a pickup truck and I've got a trailer and I've got a great big John Deere tractor on the back of the trailer. And we're going down the road and it gets narrower. And finally, there's trees in the middle of the road and you can't keep going. And I'm looking back and going, what are we going to do with this big tractor? And I wake up. And I, 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 I went, oh, no. Because I knew the tractor was the Jeep. So you said, what would you do? I gave the Jeep. Gave the Jeep. You see, there's times when God will ask you to do something a little extraordinary. Take one of your possessions, something you have, sow it in the kingdom of God. But listen, whenever God has you plant a seed, he's got a harvest in mind. He's got a harvest in mind for you. And I know the reason very often we don't do that is because of fear. We're afraid. In fact, when Elijah went to the widow woman in Seraphath, and the Bible says she was preparing her last meal. She said, I'm going to make a little cake for myself and a little cake for my son. We're going to eat him and die. And this is what he said. He said, do not fear. Don't fear. But make a little cake first. Put it in the kingdom. And she did, and you know the story. God multiplied her flour and multiplied her oil. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. Uh, those of you that are older, you, you realize this. There are some things you just learn by being old. <laughs> you hear about something, you know, it's untested, it's unproven, but you get old and you've been through all the aspects and stages of life and you see through the ups and the downs, through the strong times and the weak times, you see, this is what happens. And David said, look, I was young and, and I was running from King Saul for 10 years. He's trying to kill me. He said, and now I'm old and I'm the king and this is what I see. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Jeannie and I, in, in 1976, June of 1976, we moved to Mexico as missionaries. We didn't know what we were doing. I'm telling you, we were so ignorant. It is a surprise that we could find the door to the church. Serious. So we went and we didn't raise any money. We just went. We said goodbye to her family, goodbye to my family, and we went. And uh, I had been kind of mentored by, by Wayne Myers, who had been mentored by other people and literally went back to George Mueller, who had the orphanages and said, I'll never tell anybody what my needs are. I'm just going to pray and just going to believe God. So we end up in Mexico. We've been there about three months, and we've run out of money. Now, by this time, we have started a little church. And I, I am supposed to preach that night. 
but I had the car in the driveway with no gas. I could take a bus to church, but I do not have eight cents, eight cents to buy a bus ticket to get to church. We have just had our <laughs> kind of like our last meal before execution, you know, uh, except it was it was pancakes and all the stuff wasn't in them. And when I say they were bad, I mean, they were really bad. So I'm supposed to go to church and preach. I got my sermon ready, but I don't have any way to get to church. And I'm walking in the hallway in, our, in the little house that we're at. And, and I said, God, in Bible school, I remember when they said when things are really bad, God moves. I said, God, that is now. Right? Now, again, I, I've been in full-time ministry 44 years. Only one time in 44 years did, did this ever happen, where somebody came to our house and said, do you need a ride to church? But a little blue Volkswagen bug showed up at the door. Rahelio knocked on our door and said, Pastor, do you need a ride to church? I said, yes, I do. All right. Got in the little bug, went to church, walked in. It's a guy over to the left. I never saw him again. I maybe saw him once before. He walked over to me and in perfect English. He said, I feel impressed to give you $20. And I said, well, I feel impressed to receive them. <laughs> now, 20 bucks is not a lot. And, and our predicament was the, the missionary that was there before us had left, but he had invited two evangelist pastors from California to come and preach. And I was supposed to pick them up the next morning. So I took half of that money and put it in the car and gas. I gave the other half to Jeannie and sent her to the vegetable market. So she's shopping for fruit and vegetables. And you can go pretty good on $10 in Mexico back then. But she gets home and she's trying to figure out her meals. And she's like, we can have fruit salad for breakfast. We can have vegetable salad for lunch. And then we'll have fruit salad for dinner. You know, and trying to figure out how is she going to do this. And, and by the way, they're supposed to stay for 10 days. And she says, I, I just putting that stuff away and I, I just tr so, trying so hard to have faith. And she says, you know, I just started to cry. And she hears the brakes on an old car pull up right in front of the house and stop. So she kind of goes like this and lady comes and knocks on the door and says, uh, I know you don't need this, but my husband and I just felt impressed to bring you some food. And they went out and began to carry in box after box after box after box full of meat and flour and sugar and milk and everything you could think of. You know, I mean, God even still has a recipe for manna if he needed it. <laughs> David said, I was young. Now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Let me give you one last verse. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. And if you press it, I mean, you can shake it a little more. Get a little more in there. Running over will be put into your bosom. And with the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. So I want to just talk to you about the measure. You know, some Christians, this is their measure. They just, you know, grab a couple fingers and ding. Bless you, Lord. And the Lord, he grabs a few more and he grabs a few more fingers. And because the same measure you use, 
Lord said, well, be blessed. And some of us, that's all we're doing. Now, now some of us, we like, you know, I got a spoon. Lord, bless you. You know? And the Lord, he goes, yeah, be blessed. But, but he's using, look, you, you, look, he uses your, what measure does the Bible say he uses? He uses the measure that you use, but good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. All right. Now, now, some of you are getting a little more ambitious. Come on. You know, you get a shovel full and he'll give you a shovel full. You get, yeah. And he's going he's gonna to make a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Running over. Realize, the way I measure, he's going to measure back. Right? How many of you believe what Jesus said? I believe that. I believe it. And when you let go of your seed, remember God's got a harvest in mind for you. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.